This is Jim Harmer, and you're listening to the Improved Photography Podcast. Welcome back to the Improved Photography Podcast, your weekly dose of photography knowledge. And today I have two really cool interviews for you. I want to introduce you to two different people who can one, help you with your workflow and the other help you with a really creative way to approach photography that you may not have ever thought of. First, we're going to talk to Mick from Photo Mechanic, and that is software that's going to help us speed up our workflows. I have played with work with Photo Mechanic many times in the past, and it really has been promising, but for whatever reason, I've just never taken the step to implement it into my workflow. But with Lightroom, I just... Uh, having so many issues with performance, I decided, you know what, it's finally time that I just change up my workflow and I find the right tool to help me with this. And so I wanted to talk to Photo Mechanic to see how it would fit into my workflow. And they sent me a copy and I have been playing it with it with it for the last week. And man, it has been really, really nice. So I wanted to get deeper into Photo Mechanic and, uh, and explore that in this interview. And then we'll do another one after that. Today I'm talking with Mick Orlowski, who is the uh, who does advertising and PR for Camera Bits, which is the maker of Photo Mechanic software. Now, Photo Mechanic is software that I have checked out before, I have played with before, uh, and I'm roughly familiar with. Uh, I've been checking out a lot more this week since they sent me a, a code to test it out. Um, but it's something that I've been hearing a lot of good things from uh, for people that want to include it as their as part of their workflow. Uh, for especially culling and then uh, continuing to work in Lightroom or just doing your work uh, through photo mechanics. So Mick, tell us to somebody to, I mean, we're talking to thousands of photographers right now who are mostly passionate amateurs or part-time photographers. We also have some brand new people and some people who are full-time pros, uh, but what exactly is photo mechanic and, and what can it do for photographers? Oh, thanks, Jim. It's uh, great to be here on the podcast. Uh, photo Mechanic is a photo browser um, that handles uh, digital photographs and on your computer. And it was built for speed. It was created um, actually at the Super Bowl uh, to be a tool to help work with files, a lot of files, if you're a high volume photographer, very quickly to to ingest them into your computer to uh, look at them, call them, find find the winners, get rid of the um, the losers, and then use Photo Mechanic to add crucial crucial metadata, um, captions and keywords to your files, and then get them transmitted off to uh, you, your editor, your backup service, um, your clients, whatever. It's uh, it's built for speed and it's built for handling lots of photos at once. So what does the workflow look like with Photo Mechanic? I, I, is it called ingest, I believe is the word that mm-hmm. you guys use? So you're bringing in, you're importing your photos from a, from a card into what? I mean, are they going into a database? Or are you working with the card with the photos as is? How does, how does Photo Mechanic work? Sure. Photo Mechanic um, does not currently have a database. It looks at photos um, on your computer, although there is... The process, I'll walk you through a, little, a sample workflow, say, um, and from my own experience, like a, a concert, I get back from shooting a show and I need to deliver some, some files, um, you know, before the morning, certainly. I will pop my card in, fire up Photo Mechanic. Um, I will, in Photo Mechanic, I use 
a tool to add metadata while I'm ingesting the photos to my computer. As soon as they're ingesting, I can start looking at them, uh, flipping back and forth. Photo Mechanic relies on the embedded JPEG preview in a raw file so that you can work with raw files, but work with raw files very quickly. Um, I will go through, uh, you know, maybe 300 to 500 photos and, and really just, you know, 10 to 15 minutes picking out the, the winners. Um, I will then use Photo Mechanic to add star ratings to kind of keep myself organized. Uh, I will then add caption information. And from there, I would open the select photos, the photos that I want to keep, open those up in Lightroom. Uh, get rid of the ones I don't want so they're not cluttering my Lightroom catalog. Uh, but also, if I were uh, working with a specific publication, I could use Photo Mechanic directly to transmit those to um, like an editor off at Getty or Associated Press or something like that. So if I think of Photo Mechanic then as a culling module um, and I go through, I bring in my photos, I uh, you know start working on them immediately because the, the import is seconds. It's not like you have to <laughs> do a full Lightroom import um, and then do, a, a, you know, into a, a, a full Lightroom time length import into Photo Mechanic and then later import them into Lightroom. It's seconds. You click, I want to look at these photos and you're working on them. Um, so when I do the star ratings and things like that on those photos, is it, it's going to maintain that information when I bring it into Lightroom, right? Yes. Um, one of the key things with Photo Mechanic, and we have so many you know, professional users who depend on it for their day-to-day -day livelihood, we've spent years and years making sure that it works with many different uh, other photo photographic software, uh, be it Lightroom, um, I don't know, the old timers out there might remember Aperture, uh, Caption One, like there's a lot of different uh, software that people use and, and we want to be able to work with a lot of different software to get, get the job done. So we have extensive uh, customizable preferences for metadata to work with pretty much any other software out there to make sure that what you do in Photo Mechanic is reflected in those other pieces of software. Okay, um, so so what edits can I make on on photos in Photo Mechanic other than um, you know just metadata type of information? Sure. The Photo Mechanic is not a pixel editor. It's not going to replace a Photoshop or the um, adjustments you can make in a Lightroom or say a Luminar from from MacFun. It's it's really designed for, for selecting and working and organizing your photos. Now, having said that, you can make crops in Photo Mechanic, non-destructive crops. Um, when you send those out, the crop information is contained in the metadata. But if you open that photo up in Lightroom, you will have the full photo and then the crop will be applied. So if you want to uncrop it while you're in, say, Lightroom, you can totally do that. But there's okay. nothing like, uh, you, you're not going to do... Um, levels or, or curves or anything like that. That's that's for another software. That's usually you know people use Lightroom, people use Photoshop, that sort of thing for that. Okay, that makes sense. Um, okay, so we get it in, we do our we do our editing, and then what's the workflow like then to now move to Lightroom? How does how does that piece of it happen? So that's there's a couple different ways you can configure. Um, a number of different editors in Photo Mechanic. Um, you will also say if you just click, just press edit while you're in Photo Mechanic, it will open those files 
and whatever your system defaults to for that file type. But you can configure up to, I think, eight or ten other editors. Uh, I think if you look at mine, I have different editors for um, different things, Photoshop directly sometimes I want to go into or, or into Lightroom or some other standalone. You can also, if you're on a Mac, you can look at movie files in Photo Mechanic, and I, I have a, a key to open those up in QuickTime if I want to do a quick trim uh, for those things. Um, but you can also uh, select a lot of files and drag them to uh, an application as well. Um, so you would either use like a keyboard shortcut. Um, you can right click on the photos that you've selected and say open selected files in and then pick, pick the, thingy, pick the uh, software you want. Or uh, drag them to the Lightroom icon in your dock or on your desktop. It's really whatever works for you. Okay, because they're they're there. I mean, you you're using Photo Mechanic when you ingest to usually to physically move them from your SD card onto your computer, and then uh, and then they're there. So in Lightroom, you wouldn't then be doing a a move to import like you normally would. You're just doing an add import because they're already moved to your computer. Yeah, in fact, I will talk about how I, I use it. You can do things differently, but what I use is Photo Mechanic to ingest my files to what I call an incoming folder. And I have dated folders in my incoming folder. Um, and then I go through and I'll rate them or do whatever I need to do in Photo Mechanic, work with captions. Um, and then when it's time to go into Lightroom, I will edit them in Lightroom. Lightroom will open up the, the importer module and Lightroom will open up and I will choose move um, because I, I, once I have things in Lightroom, I don't need them in my incoming folder anymore. So I will set Lightroom to move them. They will move the files into Lightroom's catalog, uh, which will then make them disappear from the folder I was looking at in Photo Mechanic, which is useful because you don't want to be confused as to whether or not you've been in, you know, moved things already or not. Um, and then once I do that, they are moved into Lightroom's catalog. And then that becomes, you know, however you manage your catalog, what folders you, you do with that is, uh, you know, that's already taken care of. Ah, okay. That's a clever workflow because then I could put the incoming folder on my SSD, on my internal drive. And then once I go mm -hmm. to Lightroom, I could kick them off to, to the Drobo or wherever else you're going to put the photos. Exactly. And, and in Photo Mechanic as well, you have a choice. You can ingest your files to two locations at once if, say, you have a, um, just a really hard backup that you want to just keep all your raw files as you shot them. You could ingest, say, ingest to the incoming folder and then send another copy off to some backup drive just to, just to keep yourself safe. Sure. Okay. If I had one one criticism of Photo Mechanic, it would be that it it does what it does really well, but it doesn't do mm -hmm. that many things. It you know it brings photos in, you can browse through them quickly, but then you're quickly moving off to the next thing. It, it's really a, a time saver of a few minutes for that culling process. Um, if Lightroom were to actually work on the speed of that culling process, would would Photo Mechanic become obsolete? Um, we certainly don't think so. Uh, the clientele that we work with, a lot of the photojournalists, a lot of um, the high-volume commercial photographers, rely on Photo Mechanic for, for that metadata component of the, the workflow. Um, one of the things you can do in Photo Mechanic is um, use a system of code replacements, which is which are little text shortcuts, and also variables from the camera's own metadata, 
uh, to do some really interesting things with photos. Uh, say you're, um, I don't know, a, a wedding photographer and you have three other shooters. It's a huge wedding. Um, and you have everyone dump their photos into one drive. Um, in Photo Mechanic, what you could do is apply different metadata to photos based on the serial number in the camera. So you could basically select 500 photos, apply a single caption um, in Photo Mechanic, but that caption would actually be applied dynamically with different names, different dates, different locations to every single photo based on the um, the, the serial number in the camera and the, and the metadata in the from the camera itself. So you can do that in one step and apply dynamic things to like a huge number of photos. Well, that um, sounds can, really cool. I, I, help, help me think of a use case for that. When when could I use that? Well, as I said, um, if you're working in uh, if you're working with a number of photographers in weddings um, for sporting events, it's crucial. Uh, like I said, this was developed at the Super Bowl, and it, it's you know if you're sending 300 photos and you need to have that photo to find the right photo in say 15 minutes before halftime, you know, shout at the end of the second quarter, but you need it done before the third quarter starts. Uh, photo mechanic will, you can apply one caption to a number of different photos and using code replacements. Uh, you could say, type in the Jersey number of, of a player and it automatically fill will fill in the name of that player. So you don't need to look up the spelling of like a Colin Kaepernick or something. You could just put, you know, type in SF7 and his name will come in there. Ah, okay. That's pretty cool. And I think I see what you're saying now about working with multiple photographers. So if there's an editor and he, you know, everybody's bringing him cards, he's not sure whose card is who and who is anymore. He has it automatically set up. When it comes through this camera serial number, he already knows it was Bob who took the picture. Right, correct. And Photo Mechanic will apply... Um, different metadata, uh, depending on how you configure it for each one of those different photos. Okay. So it could say Bob associated press, et cetera. Right. And you could even say, um, say if you had one photographer assigned to cover the groom and another photographer assigned to cover the, the bride, um, you could in the caption or, or even the keyword field, um, use a certain string using code replacements and variables to apply say the keyword bride or groom dynamically to, to based on what the, uh, the serial number of the camera is or, or anything else, even just the date. Like if you can uh, separate photos out by date or time. Um, and the other thing we do as well is um, when it's time to deliver the photos, uh, we have very flexible and powerful um, ways to FTP or, or SFTP or trans upload photos to different file hosts and say you had a client that wants to look at, um, you know, just low res 800 by 600 versions of, a, of, a, of your photos, right? For, for quick proofing. Um, instead of saving out, say you're in Lightroom, you would save out new versions, 800 by 600, um, put them in some file that'd be on your hard drive. You'd, you'd send them to a client. Then they'd be there in your hard drive. And you'd have to remember, oh, what were these from? Do I need to, to do those? Um, what Photo Mechanic can do is we'll look at your raw files. If you want to transmit those out to a client, say FTP, it will resize, convert to JPEG, and apply different metadata during the FTP process. So you're not creating new copies. Um, you're doing that on the fly. Uh, if you want to apply a watermark to those, to those files, it will apply that on the fly. It will apply that only to the, the files that you've uploaded. This, therefore, it really saves you a lot of space on your drive and a lot of confusion, like wondering, you know, what are these copies here for and whatnot. You don't have to deal with those if you don't want to. Like, if you want to, if you want to keep the copies, you can totally do that as well. But Photo Mechanic is really built to be flexible to allow you to do that thing very quickly and efficiently. 
Hmm, that's neat. So I, I I can see a lot of 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 potential with the software for me specifically, mm-hmm. especially because it's really easy to implement implement this into a workflow. I've got to admit, when I downloaded it this week again, I mean I've I've played with it in the past, but when I downloaded mm-hmm. it again this week and I said, okay, Lightroom is driving me nuts. I've got to got to figure this out and get this into my mm-hmm. workflow. About five minutes later. It was in my workflow. <laughs> like it's really easy. Uh, you just you know pop in your memory card and and uh, open Photo Mechanic and it just walks you through it. You just say where your photos are coming from, where are they going to, and then bang, you're already in the ed- editor. It's uh it, it's really nice that way. Um, you know the very first time you use it, it will save you time in in culling compared to to trying to do that process in Lightroom. Yeah, one of the things about Photo Mechanic is a lot of the, the actual features and capabilities are things that you can do in other software just fine. It's just that Photo Mechanic will do it faster, um, more efficiently. Um, another example, going back to captions and keywords. Say I have a, you know, I just, even I, I just went out and shot a couple landscapes. I get back and maybe I have a couple hundred pictures to go through. In Photo Mechanic, if I want to caption some of these photos, I, the, um, info pane in photo mechanic will allow me to say I can type in keywords, use just a keyboard shortcut to save those keywords and move to the next photo. So I can start keywording without ever like reaching for the mouse, which is always, um, we say that once, if you reach for the mouse, you're, you're losing speed, you're losing efficiency. Mm-hmm. Um, photo mechanic has, has so many keyboard shortcuts. I could keyword a complete set of images without ever, without ever reaching for the mouse um, just to move back and forth. I can, you know, flip back and forth, compare different photos of photo mechanic. Um, and it's just built for speed. It's something where if you don't see it in action, you're like, Oh, I can add keywords in, in Lightroom just fine. And, and if you want to add the same keyword to 10 photos or a hundred photos in Lightroom, it's totally fine to do that. But if you are working with, you know, adding different keywords to a, a lot of photos, so using something like photo mechanic will definitely save you a lot of time that you just really can't tell until you see it in action. So how exactly is photo mechanic working then? You mentioned JPEG previews. And when I first ingest the photos, I mean, I can see them immediately just as fast as my memory card reader can go. There's really no delay from the, you know, the time that it, that my computer can bring it onto the computer and and I see it. Mm -hmm. But when I open the photo full size, this can't be the JPEG preview anymore. I mean, it's a high quality image that I'm looking at. Um, it really depends on a few things. If you now, if you shoot in your camera, if you choose to shoot raw plus JPEG, um, Photo Mechanic can treat both of those as one one file basically and do things. Well, well, I just I just barely didn't import um, uh, mm-hmm. from from the SD card, uh, and I'm these are forty megapixel A seven R two files because uh, mm-hmm. I, I just kind of want to, to test it as we're talking about. So as soon as I brought it in, I could immediately see the the thumbnails, and then I go to full mm-hmm. size, and there's no like loading wheel; it just shows it full <laughs> size. So how does that part work? So it depends. Each raw file, each camera manufacturer does it differently, but it depends on what the camera manufacturer has used to embed that JPEG preview in the raw file. It sounds as though Sony is, is embedding a, a very decently sized JPEG. Um, if you open the preview window, if you've, if you've ingested some photos into Photo Mechanic and you've opened the, the full-size preview, if you look in the menu bar, uh, excuse me, the, the title bar, um, you'll see the actual pixel dimensions of the JPEG preview. And if you hit the Q key while you're doing that, you can actually, t- actually toggle between the JPEG preview and the full actual RAW file. Uh, actually, this is only if you're on a, a Mac, I should say. 
on I'm the on Mac, a Mac. They do have uh, raw rendering embedded into the OS. And if you hit the Q key, you can toggle back and forth between the raw file and JPEG preview. And you can take a look at the uh, dimensions and you can see the difference. Um, and it will tell you what, what sort of JPEG preview you're looking at. Huh, that is interesting. Yeah, I, so I'm doing that, and there's very little difference. I mean, I'm on mm-hmm. a 5K iMac, and there's very little difference between the JPEG preview and, and the RAW file here. Uh, huh, that is neat. This is, this is The RAW file looks sharper, um, mm-hmm. but uh, it's very little difference. So I guess that JPEG preview is really a lot better than I thought it was. I, I figured the JPEG preview from cameras was, you know, uh, you know, 1,000 pixels on the long edge or something like that, something very it, small. It depends on, the, depends on the manufacturer. Some some camera, some manufacturers put a really decent JPEG preview in there, some don't. Um, but most most have a pretty usable one. Canon and Nikon especially. Um, Fuji does okay. Um, I think they're like 2,000 or something, 2,800 pixels. It sounds like Sony has a very good one. So it's, um, but like, for example, uh, I think Leica only does like a 640. <laughs> Something huh. awful like that. Yeah. So this is, huh? That, that's very neat. Because so, so I thought, you know, the the benefit of this is okay. I can see my JPEG preview real quick, but then still, when I open up big, I've got to, you know, it's going to spin, mm-hmm. spin, spin, uh, and that, that's just not the case. It there's no spinning, and even in, even <laughs> when I'm pressing Q to see the raw, it's mm-hmm. just it's right there. I can see it. It's just it's beautiful. This is what I've wanted for a long time. So that's how good, yeah. how is photo mechanic priced? Photo Mechanic is uh, one fifty for a new license. Um, if you're a member of um, a professional organization like the um, NPPA or APPO or um, even any APPO, other acronym, uh, but it's one hundred and fifty dollars for a new license. It's ninety dollars for an upgrade. And how often and are our new versions released? Not very often. Um, we're working on something now that we can't really talk about, but um, Photo Mechanic version five, as it is, has been around since late 2012. Um, okay, so it's not do, like every we, year you're going to have to buy a new license. Correct. And if you do buy a license, you do get any up, upgrades for the next year for free. So if you bought Photo Mechanic five and Photo Mechanic six comes out in two months, you're covered. You get Photo Mechanic six. Huh, very cool. All right. Um, well, this is uh, definitely interesting. I am, I am, have already implemented this into my workflow this week, uh, and it it really does speed things up uh, quite a bit. And it's very easy to put together with Lightroom. So I, I'm excited about about uh, using it for a while and uh, and see how I do. But the but it looks very very promising. So uh, thank yeah, thank you for sharing you, that with us. Sure. If you and if you have any problems, one of the big things we're uh, we find very important. It's a very small company. I can't remember it's a small company, but we, our, our support team is dedicated and they're always available. You can get us um, for free phone support, um, you know, Monday through Friday business hours here in Oregon. And, you know, we'll get on the phone. If you have a problem, if you have a question about, um, you know, the working with the metadata on your file, say you, you have a new program and you're like, Oh, how come I can't get the XMP to update? Um, just give us a call and we'll, we'll work that we'll work through your workflow with you. And, um, sometimes we can even give you suggestions on how to improve your workflow. If you tell us you're doing things a certain way, uh, we're happy to, to give you feedback on that and, and improve that for you if we can. 
Very cool. Well, in every episode of the podcast, we give a, give a doodad of the week, some kind of photography product uh, or resource that we can recommend for others to check out. Is what's what's a favorite photography product of yours? Um, I'm not affiliated with them with any way, but the um, I've just been taking my camera out on hikes a lot lately and the peak design capture clip has been awesome. I just clip that thing to my strap on my backpack and then I have my camera clipped right to my strap. Um, it's, it doesn't bounce around when I'm hiking up the hiking up the side of a mountain or through the, the Columbia Gorge and it's, it's always available to me. It's one of my favorite products. I need to finally break down and get one of those. I've obviously seen them for years. They're very, very popular, uh, but I, I've never quite, quite uh, been sold on it enough to say, okay, I should get this. But so many people talk highly of it. I think I should, think I should give it a try finally. Yeah, when I first saw it, you know, I saw it being used on belts, and I'm like, that's not for me. I don't need a belt. My camera clipped to my belt. That's a little bit. <laughs> I'm not. A, I'm not a gunslinger. But when I when I found I could clip, clip it to uh, my my backpack, that just changed changed everything for me. Very cool. My doodad this week is the JJC timer remote control for Sony, uh, but they also make it for other uh, for other brands. This is just a simple interval timer, interval timer and cable release. The reason that I bought one is because the Sony A7R2, as well as many of the other Sony cameras, have a really neat feature where you can download apps to the camera. So if you want your camera to have extra functionality, um, you, you can just go to the to the Play Store, Play Memories Store, I don't know who names it that, uh, and download an app to give your camera new functionality. Like, this is so cool. Every camera manufacturer should have been doing this for years. But unfortunately, the process is super buggy to, to uh, put those apps on the camera. I'm very technically inclined. I spent 45 minutes and I could not get a nap on my camera. <laughs> it just drove me nuts. Uh, it took me two days to finally figure it out. I got the the time-lapse app uh, from Sony on my, on my camera and I knew it was iffy because I had not tested it out yet and didn't totally understand it yet but i thought how hard can it be it's an interval timer right and so i went out to shoot um at midnight in idaho falls shooting the the windmills there at night with the milky way above uh i was and then my camera ran out of battery i thought no big deal interval timer right i get all the photos until then and i'll just put them together um on the computer it was about time for it to end anyway not so. I had the settings wrong, and it did not save any of the photos uh, oh, no. it, because the battery had run out in the end. Uh, I messed with the with the app uh, quite a bit the next few days, and I did pretty much have it have it figured out. And it's neat; it does some cool things. But I thought, you know what? I'm just going to buy a dumb intervalometer. They work, and they work reliably. <laughs> so my recommendation this week is that JJC uh, intervalometer and remote. Uh, it's like twenty bucks on Amazon. But really, there's Very nothing cool. super special about this one. They they all pretty much do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Well, Mick, thank you for being on the podcast. If anybody is interested in checking out Photo Mechanic, you can do that by going to camerabits.com, the company that makes uh, Photo Mechanic, and get a license there. Thanks for being on the show. Well, normally we would end our show right here, but I wanted to make one little follow-up after that interview, and then I want to bring you another photographer who I think will really inspire you to create something that you've probably never done before in photography. 
After talking with Mick, he mentioned that they have discounts for professional organizations. And so I'm working with Photo Mechanic right now to try and get a discount for Improved Photography Plus members. So go over and check out camerabits.com and download Photo Mechanic. There's a free 30-day trial. You can uh, you can check it out. It's pretty reasonably priced already, uh, but we are working on getting a discount for Improved Photography Plus members. So stay tuned for that. All right. I mentioned I was excited about a creative interview as well in this episode. A while ago, I want to say it was even six months ago, I saw on a website, not even a normal photography blog, I saw a photographer who was making these incredible photos that were scale models of real things. So he'd take a, you know, a die cast, you know, a little kid's like model of a Mustang and he'd put, you know, flour all over it to make it look like it was snow and put it on a piece of glass so it would look like it was ice uh, and would blow smoke in there so it would look like it was cold and, you know, snow blowing everywhere. It was just doing these incredible things with small scale models and sometimes mixing them in with, you know, real life you know, skies and things like that. Uh, and I just could not believe it. It was so outstanding. Uh, the work was just, I mean, it was mesmerizing. It was so cool. And so I reached out to him. His name is Felix Hernandez. He lives in Cancun, Mexico. And I got him to come on to the show. Unfortunately, there was some echo on his side of the, of the call. The audio quality suffered a little bit, but it was it's such a cool technique that I had to have everybody listen to it. Uh, but before you do, I would recommend going to his website. Just, just Google Felix Hernandez Photography, and you've got to see a couple of these photos, and then I think the interview is going to have a lot more impact if you've kind of seen the stuff that he's creating. Um, and I'll, I'll see if I can talk with him and see if we can post a couple photos uh, in the Facebook groups and things like that as well, so you can get a, get a taste for it this week. Uh, so, well, let's jo- jump to that interview right now. Mm-hmm. Felix, welcome to the show. Hey, Jim. Thank you very well, uh, very much. Thank you for having me here. It's a, it's a pleasure. I, I'm so excited to talk to you because I saw these photos on one of those board panda or something websites, and I just thought, no way. How is he doing this? So, <laughs> to somebody who's never seen this before, how do you explain what it is that you're doing? Well, it's a, I'm, I'm, I'm a photographer. I do a lot of kind of uh, photography, commercial photography, most of all working for the entertainment industry. So, but this started like a personal project. So this personal project is about like, it started working with things I have it uh, around. In fact, around my home, not, not even in my studio. I, I have to always try new things and I'm always very, very curious. So, uh, I have two kids, of, of course. One of them is, a, well, when I started this kind of photography, he was uh, three years old, so he had a lot of toys, you know, around the house. So I started playing with things I, I, I have in the house, and a lot of them were toys. So I found, like, kind of a cool way, you know, to, to practice and to express my ideas or my dreams or some concepts through toys. I started that way. So, so you got your kids' toys, and, yeah. and like, tell me about the first one. What was the first image you made that, that, uh, that worked? Okay, I was, I, I think it was with, I don't know if they, they know this in, in, in U.S., but they are called Playmobil. 
They are like Playmobil. Yeah, Playmobil, but very simple. I don't know what that is. Like action figures. Yes, they are like action figures, but they are very, very, you know, basic. They they have the straight arms, the straight legs. You cannot pose them very well, but they are very okay. Most of all, in 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 Europe, and uh, I started doing very simple photos over white backgrounds with, uh, with them. But I find it kind of uh, funny the things you can express. With uh, with objects with with toys like making uh, smash smash ups you know combining different concepts maybe some things of the kitchen with the toys and all that stuff they were very simple simple images and I started to took you know the things a little bit further and then uh, not borrowing the toys of my my kids I start uh, uh, buying my own. So you'd buy you'd buy toys specifically for these photo shoots. Yes, yes, yes. If you come to my office. so you're looking, yeah. So you're looking for like you know scale models of cars that kind of look more realistic and star trooper or stormtroopers and stuff. I'm seeing on your website, it, it just whatever kind of seems exciting or interesting to you. Yes, yes, that, that that's right. Uh, now I'm trying to get you know, the better quality toys. That means they are uh, sometimes expensive. Most of them are like collector toys. The ones you have seen with the, the Star Wars, they are they are like bigger figures that you can pose them uh, very well. They have like different, you know, kind of postures with different hands and, and all that stuff. So yes, I, I have like now, if you come to my office or my studio, it's uh, filled with, with toys. Uh, most of them are waiting in, in line to, to be portraits. Wow, that is so cool. So I like I see on your website you have one of a, a Volkswagen bus. Uh, so you get like this scale replica of the Volkswagen bus and then the finished image looks like that little tiny toy is uh, all covered in snow sitting on on like a ice like an iced over lake and then the milky way behind it so so walk me through the process what would that look like like how do you take this toy and make it look realistic like that well first of all yes that, that was a toy the the, the minivan boss of, of the Volkswagen of course it was a brand new one and uh, first of all I, I like to to modify them, in this case, whether it like it was an old mini boss, because for me the concept, the ideas, the storytelling is very important. So I had to personalize my models to tell my own story. It's a, it, that, that's very important to me. Uh, so it looks like all rusted up and stuff yes, yes, yes. on on the video. Like, how did you do that? How did you make it look more weathered? Well, that's a, a, a process of you know modeling. You know, there, there are different techniques to to do it. I have learned it. Uh, uh, I don't know. I have been doing that for maybe two years. Two years I have been uh, practicing uh, weathering and uh, personalizing my, my models. There are a lot of techniques, but most of them it's, it's uh, painting with, you know, with, with acrylics, using different techniques to uh, weather these, uh, these, these, these objects. In this case, it's the, the, the minibus, but you can also do it with, you know, uh, action fever or, or whatever. So, and that is a, a very fun part of, of, of the process, you know, take, taking a new object, a new model, and uh, trying to communicate with him uh, when you personalize, personalize it to tell your own, your, your own story. 
Okay, so you get this model of the Volkswagen bus. You've kind of painted it to make it look rusty. It looks so realistic, though. Um, you're making, kind of giving it that vintage rustic look. And then where do you go from there? Like, what's the snow? It looks like there's snow all over this thing. Yes, well, then I also try to make uh, the most of, of, of the project on camera. I love using, you know, digital manipulation uh, software. Uh, I'm, I'm very good at it, but I, it's like a, also a personal challenge because I, I find it very, uh, very, very entertaining, entertaining, entertaining doing these all effects on, on camera. So I'm look, always looking, of course, uh, for scale, how we can fool the eye or how we can fool the, our, our brains to perceive you know, something little uh, make you believe that it's a bigger or a real scale scale object. So I'm always looking how to do the effects or what elements I can use to fool the eye and to fool the, the brain. So for instance, in that case, the snow is made out of uh, floor wheat. That it's 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 very it's it's very flat. Oh, like like wheat flour. Wheat flour. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's okay. And and it's it's very thin and also it's very easy to get. You know, I'm always trying also to get different uh, materials and doing effects with things we all have around. Not nothing fancy. So and of course it also it's uh, choosing the right lens, the right focal distance. And knowing a, a little bit uh, of perception, how, how human eye and the human brain perceive the, the scale to achieve then uh, these uh, images that look uh, like a realistic or a real scene, let's say. You mentioned focal length. So what focal length are you shooting these at to make it feel realistic? It feels like that'd be a pretty important part to get right. Yes. Uh, most of uh, the people uh, think that I'm using a mic, um, uh, yes, a, a micro, it's not a micro. Uh, a macro lens, a, a yeah. A macro, sorry, sorry, a macro lens. Most of people think that I use a macro lens, but in fact, it's, it's uh, the contrary. Because if you use a macro lens, you have to get really, really close and you lose depth of field, you know? And for uh. the eye and the brain, perceive something small like it's uh, bigger, you have to achieve a lot of depth of field. Uh, you can use this technique called uh, uh, focus tacking. It's, mm -hmm. uh, you have to take a lot of photos uh, with that. So I don't use a macro lens. I use like, a, let's say a regular lens. Uh, most of the times I'm shooting between 40 and 60 millimeters, you know, and okay. uh, trying to achieve the most depth of field in, in, in the camera. So normally I'm shooting, uh, shooting at F18 uh, or maybe F22 because I, I need to achieve a lot of depth of field. Reason? And do you focus stack everything? No, no, no. For, for the little, little scale models that I have to go really, really close, then I have to do focus stacking. But for most of my work, I'm not doing focus stacking. What camera are you shooting with? It's a Canon 5D. I use the Canon 5D Mark III and the Mark, Mark IV, both. Okay. And uh, recently I, I bought a, a, a 24 a tilt and shift lens, also from, from Canon. This allows nice. me, this lens allows me, and it's, it's a wide angle, a wide angle lens, but this allow, allows me to get very close to the object uh, and have it all in, in the frame. You can you could not achieve that with a macro lens. 
So, and it gives you also a lot of depth of field and you can uh, get different angles that you could not achieve with a regular lens. But that's very recently I have been using that, that lens. 24 tilt and shift. That's pretty cool. So it really just at 50 millimeter lens and uh, regular camera is going to be able to do what you're doing. Yes, that's a little, um, I have a, a in, in Spanish and Spanish, let's say tutorial. And what I try to show people there is that you don't need uh, tons of, of gear to make these kind of uh, images. Of course, gear uh, helps. Uh, but you can start doing these kind of images, in fact, from, I don't know, from your living room with uh, your camera, a tripod, and you don't even need, uh, you know, studio flashes. You can, I also do a lot of light painting, the, the technique with a little LED uh, flashlight, and that's it. You can use your wall, uh, if you have a white, uh, clear uh, wall, you can use it as a, you know, as a backdrop, and only a little bit of imagination. Well, it's very easy. So, so let's talk about the lighting then. How exactly are, are you doing the lighting? You mentioned that you light paint sometimes. Are you using flash or constant lights or what's your kind of go-to setup there? I have tried all and the, in my recent images, it's a mix of, of different kind of source of lights because the light is always the, the same, let's say, but the source is different. So I'm mixing um, uh, studio flashes, with light painting and sometimes also with natural light because sometimes I not do everything at the studio. Sometimes I have to go out. Let's say I have to take my studio or my tabletop to a location and put the models there. So I have like a real background. You know, I, 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 I mix the, the, the perspective of the, of the scale model, of the scene of the scale model with a real landscape. So sometimes I found myself working with natural light, uh, uh, speed lights or studio flashes, and also doing light painting. Light painting, I do it uh, the most for achieving some effects, like the headlights of a car, or maybe some spotlight I have to put in a, in a particular, uh, particular uh, place of, of, of the model. And, you know, I mix all of them. So normally my photos are not done in, in one shot, they are done in maybe three, four, or five uh, different shots using different light techniques and then bringing them all together in, in post-production. In post the one of the mini-boss you saw, that was all done only in one shot. It was a one-minute-long exposure, and that was all done with uh, the light painting technique. Okay, so how many layers are you ending up with then? Like when you take this into the Photoshop, are we talking like 75 layers of different things or, or less than that? No, no, they, they are really, really very simple. In post-production, it's very, very simple. Sometimes it could be like 10, 10 layers. And maybe in some of them you have, I don't know, 30, 30 layers. But they're really, really, really simple images. So a lot is done on, on, on the set. Wow, that is, that is really, really cool. So what are, what are your favorite tools for making these images? Other than the you know, camera and lens and, and uh, you know, a flashlight, what other kind of things do you find yourself using a lot? Well, I, I'm always trying new things in, in studio. The, the things that I, more, I, I seek more for are uh, objects or products for making different effects. You can see in a lot of my images, a lot of, you know, kind of 
foggy ambient smoke or fog, some, something like that, because um, I rely a lot in, in, in my images uh, um, with my dreams. A lot of these images, I use my dreams like a source of inspiration. So in my dreams, I have like these kind of images. They are always like uh, foggy or in the mist or with some smoke. So I'm always trying to look for different materials to, 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 to make or replicate this kind of ambience. So I, as you can see, because you are seeing me, I, I smoke. It's not a good thing. But uh, that allows me, you know, to put the, the, the smoke or the fog in the place I want. I have a lot of control. With that. So you're using cigarette smoke just blown from your mouth. Yes, to, yes, yes. To, but, to do it. Uh, but even I smoke is, is not very good to do it because sometimes you have to smoke one or two, you know, uh, very, very fast. And that's, that's not good. Also, when I'm giving, you know, workshops or I'm in some place, you are not allowed to smoke. So I had to find different ways to, to, to produce this smoke. And uh, I've been working with, uh, you know, it's a, uh, here, I don't know if you call them, uh, they're the same, it's a uh, dry ice. It's yeah. a very, it's a very cold cast, uh, you know, but it's, it, it, um, it, it melts, well, it, not, it, it doesn't melt it because it's not water. It's a, it's a, it's a gas, you know, but it gives you a lot right. of, a lot of uh, smoke. So I, I don't have a, like a, um, you know, a, a tool or a, a manual, you know, for doing these kind of images. It's always about trying to to try different things and finding different ways to, to do them. I, that is really neat. So, um, to, wow. So why don't, why don't you use just like a, a fog machine, just a small amount of fog? Because it delivers, I have one, but it delivers a lot of, 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 of fog. You know, you are not in control of, of, of it. Uh, since these are really small, small scenes, let's say, well, relatively small, small scenes, I need to have control where I'm putting the, the smoke. If I only turn on the fog machine, I will have smoke all over the place. And sometimes, I mean, you know, at location, in, in, maybe in, in, the, in the middle of the, you know, a, a beach or something like that, uh, I don't have a, a, a power source, you know, to, to connect maybe the machine or something like that. And you have to travel then with a lot of gear. And I'm always trying to do the, the things in, in, you know, more in a, in a more easy way. And I have also more, more, more control. Wow. I, ah, this is so inspiring. So tell me about your favorite photo that you've taken. What's, what's the photo that you're most proud of? Well, that's that's a that's a tough one because mm, I, I would think I, I will go back again with the one of the of the minibus because that was a challenge for me. But that was a personal challenge trying to trying to 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 demonstrate to others that it, this that again you don't need a lot of uh, gear to do these kind of images to 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 come out with a really nice image. It's, it's more about the concept, it's more about being creative and uh, looking around what you have uh, to create this kind of images. So I, I think that's, uh, that's one of my favorites and uh, also because what was done all in, in one take, you know? Of course, the, the Milky mm -hmm. Way, you have in the background, that's digital manipulation, that's a, of uh, another photo I took. 
but the rest of the image it was done all in one take using this even the ice lake in the front in the foreground well no you have um, yes you, you caught me there uh, that's, that's oh. part of the that, that's part of the way you manipulate the eye you need to have all your focal planes in focus in perfect focus so sure. you, you will not have if you get closer to the to this to this scale scene you will not have you you cannot achieve the first plane the floor in focus so uh, part of that is is done in camera is is part of the this diorama this this scale scene and but the i don't know the the first uh, third of the image it is it, also a manipulation you know it's a completely unfocused foreground that it has to be introduced digitally to achieve that uh, foc that that plane in focus okay so are, are you saying you want the the foreground to be in perfect sharp focus or that you want it to be a little out of focus no you you have to have it in perfectly focused and so uh I, so you didn't go to an ice lake you're creating that like on a sheet of glass yes 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 that's that's that that image was also it was all created at the studio because i needed dark enough you know it all, all was done with light painting it was like a minute or a minute and a half long exposure so i needed all all black so i did it in in, in a studio and was done over a table a simple thing. Wow. That, that's incredible. I, I guess they probably don't get many ice lakes in Cancun, huh? <laughs> no. And, and that's the thing I, I kind of like to recreate worlds that they are far away from me, you know? Uh -huh. I don't know why I like so much the, the, the snow thing. Like have you ever even seen snow? Yes, yes, yes. I did. Oh, yeah. I have. Yes, yes, yes. yes. And I love it. Where did you see, where did you see snow? Well, I lived in in Spain for almost seven years, and oh, okay. there you have places where you have a lot of snow. Sure. And I lived one year in in Anaheim, in Los Angeles, when I was little, and uh, it's uh, that year it snowed. I'm very very hard. <laughs> That's strange, right? Yeah, definitely. It's not a common thing in Los in Los Angeles, but we had snow that year. Wow. So uh, tell me how you're uh, marketing your web, how marketing your photos or who your clients are, who are you selling these photos to? Well, part of the, as I told you, this started like a personal project, but it has, it, it had such a huge impact, uh, fortunately in, 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 in the web that uh, now I'm seeing it more like uh, the, the, the business side, you know? So most of the marketing tool is, doing again personal projects and sharing them in social media and uh, now i have access to some uh, you know blogs or 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 social media channels can I, the, where i can share my work um behance has been you know behance of of adobe behance oh yes is a, uh -huh. this creative uh, community it has uh, helped me a lot you know you build up your portfolio there and there you have like a creative talent uh, hunters that are seeking for, you know, different uh, artists. And, uh, but most of all is doing my personal projects, putting them out uh, online. And that's the way the, the brands or the creative agencies have uh, reached to me. 
So asking, asking me to do, you know, a specific projects. That's really cool. And so who have some of those clients been? Well, I can't Would there be any about, companies that we'd know? Yeah, I, I, I can tell you about uh, of some of them because others are, this is really recently, I don't know, maybe two years. And uh, most of the projects are like going on, you know. But mm-hmm. uh, in this year, I had the chance to work with Audi, uh, Audi Germany. We did a, a project for them. They asked me to do a series of photos. They asked me to not use uh, Photoshop. So that's when you had to get really, really creative. They wanted this yeah. uh, shot, you know, done, done all in camera, of course, using uh, digital manipulation, but only for working in legal spheres or uh, color grading, something like that. And that was for Audi Germany. And then I did a second project for Audi, but was for Audi Middle East, uh, specifically in, in, in Dubai. And uh, that was for the launching of a new model called the Q2. So that was also a, a, a very fun project. And um, I'm now de- uh, developing a project with um, Nickelodeon. Uh, you, see, uh, 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 you know, this, this channel of cartoons. Yeah, yeah. I grew up on Nickelodeon, Felix. Okay, well, I'm, I'm working on a project there. And um, also uh, with Volkswagen, I'm, I'm, I'm also in a project. And uh, got more a project also very interesting with Adobe. And uh, those are a few I'm working on. That is really cool. That's really cool. Well, thank you for taking a minute to talk to us about what it is you're doing. I hope everybody will check out your website. Uh, again, difficult to spell here, but we're just going to Google Felix Hernandez photography and it'll pop right up. Um, is there anything else people, uh, anywhere else people can check you out on social media? Well, I, I think the if you look for Felix Hernandez photography, you will find, I mean, Instagram, You'll find I mean, Facebook, I mean, Behance and in, in, in YouTube. Uh, the thing is that you have a very fa- famous, uh, I think, a baseball player that has uh-huh. the name Felix Hernandez. So if you only search like Felix Hernandez, he's really famous. So it's going to be tough to beat. Yeah, if you look for Felix Hernandez photography or something like that, I think I'm going to show up there. Very cool. Well, thanks for taking the time to share with us. No, thanks Bye. to you, Jim, uh, a lot. I really enjoy it. And hopefully you could uh, understand a little bit that what I'm saying. Thanks, everybody, for joining me on this episode of Improved Photography, and we'll see you in another seven days.